0: I'm your host, Pete Jacobs. I'm an triathlon world champion and health and performance coach. And this is the Live Your Own Fit podcast. This podcast is about life performance, answering your questions, dissecting health topics, and giving you energy boosting tips. And today we're going to be talking about exercise and its effect on metabolism good, bad, indifferent, and everything else. So stick with me and enjoy the ride. The effects of exercise on metabolism is really interesting and something that at the moment I'm trying to learn more and more about. I've been having discussions lately with the team at Math, um, Phil Maffetone's company, and we're putting together some webinars in the coming months, coming up pretty soon actually. And so perhaps you want to look into that. We'll be promoting that shortly. And there's so many layers that I wanted to make sure I tick off some of the layers here for you that we may not end up covering in the webinars. So the effects of exercise on metabolism. And often people say in the past, it's been a bit of a common belief that if you exercise, you'll speed up your metabolism. Well, that 100% depends on what type of exercise and what your metabolism is adapted to do in the first place. So what fuel preferences has your body got before you exercised? What fuel preference have you um, instigated during exercise, which is based on the type of exercise? And then what you do after the exercise as well. So there's so many layers, but let's, uh, let's just dig in a little bit here. Whether exercise helps or hinders weight loss. For example, metabolism, if we're talking about calories in calories out and simply if I eat less I will lose weight and if I exercise then exercise is a great way to lose weight and the eat less move more theory has been around a really really long time and it doesn't work for a lot of people and in the general population it's not working at all that general theory or that general recommendation in government guidelines So let's think about what happens to a 70 kilogram female approximately in 30 minutes of easy exercise, approximately 100 calories are burned. So if they're just going for a gentle walk and a chat, 30 minutes moderate exercise, approximately 200 calories are burned and 30 minutes vigorous exercise, approximately three to 350 calories are burned. Now, if we look at the food intake, one apple, 100 calories. One egg, 75 calories. 100 grams of chicken breast, 170 calories. One cup of milk. So, if you go for your latte after your walk, 150 calories. So, let's say it was two eggs, then pretty much all of these is around 100 to 150 calories. Is an apple, two eggs, um, 100 grams of chicken breast, or a cup of milk, is all going to pretty much mean that, you know, you've got to have walked for an hour, uh, 30 minutes to um, 45 minutes of walking just to have that one little snack. So if you did walk and then you did snack, then you balanced out. But this is not about calories. I wanna say everything that I just said is completely irrelevant and wrong because this is not about calories in calories out. That was an example of why the eat less, move more does not work well in terms of trying to burn the fat that you have stored on your body. So whether your body burns the stored fat or not, and what happens during exercise, it's not all about calories. Overall, in the big picture, it may be a little bit about calories, but I'm now going to explain metabolism and exercise and how they affect you in many, many different ways. Um, And I'm going to interject many times with many, it depends and nuances, because that is how intricate this whole metabolism and exercise is. But at the same time, it's really simple. I'm going to give you the bottom line answer right now. It is. Exercise does not burn many calories. The point of exercise is for aerobic adaptation, for fat burning adaptation. So those benefits include that you're burning fat, there's more oxygen, there's more blood flow, you increase capillaries, You increase um, all of these other things that are positive reactions to when stress is a good thing to put on your body. So beneficial responses to stress. Um, The other benefits include being outdoors. Um, If you do exercise outdoors, obviously the sunlight, eyes intake, the skin intakes it, the nervous system, the hormones, melatonin, and sleep improves. The breathing that you get through exercise, so your tolerance to CO2 increases a little bit, you become better at nasal breathing, and also you trigger your vagus nerve and improve your vagal tone when you're nasal breathing into your belly, which is great to do during gentle exercise. Blood flow delivery of nutrients and vitamins and minerals and elements. So important thing, obviously, when you exercise that blood flow increases. Catabolic metabolism and yes, I sounded like a robot, catabolic metabolism. Um, So basically that is the side of metabolism where you are burning the stored energy. So whether it be for this case, whether it be sugar or fat, catabolic metabolism is using the energy, the fuel, sorry, the fuel that you have stored to create energy. So the flip side of that is anabolic metabolism where you are growing where you are storing things, you are building muscle, where you're growing from what you've taken in. So, another last benefit, lowers hunger because you've tapped into burning fat. And that is purely for those that have done aerobic exercise. Your hunger may lower after aerobic fat burning exercise because you've increased fuel availability. So, you've um, increased the fat flowing through and the... Triglycerides and all of these other aspects that have been stored in the fat, and then they are released, so you've got more access to more forms of fuel, and so therefore you will not feel as hungry afterwards, and you should feel like energy is quite good. Also, the benefit comes there from increased oxygen to the brain; you feel better as well, and all the hormonal benefits that um, I'm not getting into in detail, but we all know that they are there. So. Why does it matter what type of exercise for what type of me- metabolic responses that you want? So let's imagine that you wake up in the morning and you're catabolic when you wake up. You know, your body is using the stored fuel to create energy. But if you straight away do have something that is high enough in a sugar that it will instigate a anabolic response so insulin and growth hormones and a few other hormones um, then you're switching from burning the stored energy the stored fuel sorry in your body the stored fuel for energy so you've kind of gone all night you've, you've got into some good catabolic responses you're starting to just you're, all those hormones are down there's no insulin um, you're really Catabolic, and that's a really good thing when you are burning your own stored fuel and the hormones related to that are beneficial. So then, eating changes you out of that state and makes you anabolic. If you've eaten enough food, if you eat a tiny bit of food, or if you eat something that is more um, higher fat and not not heaps of protein, so a little snack, a couple of eggs or something, then you're not going to kick yourself out of that metabolic. Response, so you could have something small, but be aware though, if you have a large bowl of something that has um, lots of sugar or a large mouthful or several mouthfuls, then you're going to kick yourself into an anabolic state, so insulin will respond. So that means that as you're about to go out for a bit of exercise that you want aerobic adaptation from, and let's we're just keeping it as aerobic adaptation aerobic exercise for now then you've instantly changed your body's signaling to say, no, don't burn stored fuel. Insulin stops stored fat from being used. So eating a high-sugar um, carbohydrate breakfast, then going to out to exercise to be aerobic, well, you're not actually going to be burning fat while you're doing that exercise. The hormonal responses to the, what you ate inhibit the ability to break down fat from and be catabolic. So you've switched yourself into an anabolic state with this breakfast. And then perhaps let's say you aren't going out for aerobic exercise and you've eaten the high carbohydrate breakfast because you want to go and do a high intensity interval session. Now, I'm not even suggesting that you need to have carbohydrates at all to go and do the high intensity interval session because you have a couple of hours of stored glycogen in your muscles and in your liver that at any point that you go out there and do some hard exercise, your body will respond as needed, especially if you've trained it to do so. But for the purpose of this, we're going to say, okay, this person believes and this is the way that they do what they do every day. So it works for them. High carbohydrate breakfast, go out there and train hard. Or no breakfast. No breakfast and still go out there and train hard. So a high intensity interval session will spike many responses in your nervous system, including anabolic hormones. So you will flood your body of glucose from your liver stores. Even if you've eaten nothing, or if you've eaten a high carbohydrate meal, you will have high blood sugar levels. And if you've eaten nothing, it's because the liver will release glucose from the stored glycogen into your blood so that in itself as well as other hormonal responses that occur from having your body in a sympathetic nervous system state of pushing yourself really hard increasing tension um, and all of those responses will make you put you in an anabolic response so what you want to do is then After exercising, and if you've done the high interval intensity training, people then often go, oh, well, I've just used a heap of glucose and a heap of stored glycogen. So I actually now want to go and replenish that by having a high carbohydrate meal after their exercise of high intensity training. So you've increased your blood sugar levels before training. If you've had that high carbohydrate meal, you've increased your blood sugar levels during training if they've bounced back from, well, here's a nuance, isn't it? Because if you do have the high carbohydrate meal spiking your insulin, you might actually find that your blood sugar will drop during that high interval session because the insulin is taking the blood sugar out. If you've spiked it enough, you then can get a blood sugar low very early on in high intensity training, well, well, well before you've run out of any muscle glycogen storage. So you're not low at all in this scenario on availability of glucose for movement in your muscles. The only thing that has happened is that the insulin has now just dropped your blood sugars so that your brain is perceiving a low availability of energy. However, if you hadn't had the high-glucose breakfast, high-carbohydrate breakfast, there's a good chance that the stress going straight into a high interval session would have released, as I mentioned earlier, glucose from the liver. So your blood sugar would actually could actually be higher. So these are all the nuances that the body has to take into account, that you need to think about. What, what, why am I eating what I'm eating and what is going to happen in the near future? And what is going to happen when I exercise this way or exercise that way? So this is all a bit about what not to do in a way. If you're trying to get aerobic fat burning adaptation, this is all what not to do. Don't eat a high carbohydrate breakfast in the morning. Don't go and do high interval, interval um, training because even if you have not eaten breakfast in the morning, you can still instigate that stress response that will increase blood sugars, that will train your mitochondria and... Your muscles to be burning sugars. And then afterwards, if you then were feeling like you needed to have something high carbohydrate to replace the carbohydrates you just burned, well, then you're going to spike this anabolic response even more so. And if your anabolic response is currently that you are gaining fat, that you have fat stored on your body, then the anabolic response is going to continue that process. Some people, let's say you go to the gym and you work out in the gym and lift heavy weights, the anabolic response is actually going to go more into building muscle growth because that's the adaptation that you've asked for. You've, you've, you've ripped the muscles apart a little bit and now you want them to grow bigger in response. So an anabolic response when you want it is a good thing. And it's a good thing even not after exercise when you just eat a big meal and lots of protein and fats. The, anabolic response is to regenerate new cells, to grow new cells, to increase, you know, bone mass and all of these other factors that are good anabolic responses. However, storing excess body fat is not a good anabolic response. And so what about the effects after exercise, after high interval training? what what happens is people think, oh, well, I've done a high-intensity interval training and I've been told that that increases my metabolism. Well, yes, it increases your metabolism in the anabolic response. It's not increasing the metabolism of burning more stored body fat. That is not what you're telling the body to do. At no point have you asked your body to do that. You've given it signals and hormones. Um, and import and food that says be anabolic. And so, yes, you've increased your metabolism, but in a growth side of metabolism. So what we want to do is now look at how do we increase the catabolic side of metabolism, the breaking down of stored fuel. And here we go. This is where math principles really shine. And I hope this is clear for you another feather in the cap of Dr. Phil Maffetone and your understanding, hopefully, of why sticking to aerobic exercise is so important. So you wake up in the morning, you're catabolic, you're burning stored fat for fuel at this point. And some people will be barely scraping by if they're not very fat adapted. They're going to feel like they need to go grab the sugary stuff pretty quickly before because they believe that that's going to give them energy straight away and it probably will if you're not at all fat adapted you may feel better even if it's just the happy hormones you'll feel better and so you wake up in the morning burning your own fat as a good fat adapted athlete as a good fat adapted person you don't even have to be an athlete you are able to use fat very efficiently for lots and lots of energy your ketones will be there as another source of fuel for your brain and your nervous system So you feel pretty good. And then you go out there and you've got your parameters of what your math heart rate is. 180 minus your age generally, but you can make your modifications here and there and for more or less. And so you go out there and you are now exercising in the aerobic fat burning zone. So that's where the benefits of exercise that we are looking for come into play. The ones that I mentioned earlier are the ones that we want. The aerobic adaptation to burn more fat, more oxygen, more blood flow, build capillaries that um, adapt our mitochondria to burn fat and have more oxygen present. So oxidative stress is lower. And whether this is during exercise or not, it's the same principle. Exercise just makes it much more of a bigger component of change. You adapt much quicker and much better um, on a larger scale if you exercise. It's just scaling up the adaptations. So, of course, outdoor benefits are there. Um, The breathing benefits are there. A little bit of CO2 tolerance building and therefore more oxygen delivery, um, more nutrient delivery. And you've also continued your catabolic metabolism. You are continuing to use stored fuel for energy production. And that is what we're after with metabolism when we're trying to adapt aerobically and when we're trying to just be healthier. And when we're trying definitely to lose weight. We need to continue the catabolic metabolism throughout our exercise and then post exercise as well. So you would exercise at, in the aerobic zone. And while exercising, if you went for many, many hours, you know, you can have a little bit, you can have sugar to a point that it's not going to spike your insulin. And insulin is not going to spike very much at all. You would have to have quite a lot of sugars to spike your insulin while doing, you know, a 3-hour pretty solid aerobic ride because your muscles can intake the glucose in your blood into your muscles without insulin during exercise. It's like a little trick that the body has learned to do so you can be slightly anabolic in a way and catabolic at the same time. So you can still be burning fat and you can still be using sugars as you are always. You're never just 100% Fat um, and so everything's always in, in different uh, percentages. So while you're out there exercising and when you get home, you've spent all this time training the body and adapting the body to burn fat in this catabolic state. Now, what would be the best thing now is to have a very low carbohydrate meal. At no point do you need to worry that, oh, I'm, I need to replenish glycogen because I've used up my glycogen. If you're moderately fat adapted, even going out there for three hours at aerobic pace in the fat burning zone, that is the whole point. You've been fat burning. You've used very little of your glycogen stores in your muscles, in your liver. It it's not going to be something you need to think about topping up for future production of energy. It's not going to affect you. So you can wait as long as you would like to before eating in this aerobic catabolic state so when you do come to eat though then it is important to feast and it's really crucial i think and a lot of women have found that going low carb their hormones may get messed up they don't feel they've got the energy as much and yes they probably do but my questions would be you know i haven't personally had these athletes but i've Seen it happen, and I've re- heard many podcasts about it. But I mean, until you get a really good control and say, okay, well, how much did you eat? What were you eating? And when were you eating it to balance out this feast versus fasting, this catabolic versus anabolic? So let's say somebody just went low carb and they exercised for many hours, and then they came home and they ate a salad with lots and lots of oil, olive oil. Um, two or three eggs, and what else? Well, that might be all they, they eat. And then think of the response then. Is there an anabolic response at any point when that's the way that you're eating? Well, no, there isn't. There's not enough protein to trigger protein synthesis on a, on a substantial level, which generally the science says is around 30 grams per meal. So an egg only has around five grams of protein. So you would have to have more like six eggs to get the anabolic response at all for protein synthesis. Or you can just eat a lot of protein. And again, you will get the anabolic response. Your liver will turn protein into glycogen and glucose. So that's called gluconeogenesis. And that's what years ago, everybody put the fear of God through anyone that was thinking of being keto about protein. They said, don't eat protein, it'll throw you out of ketosis. Well, that's the beauty of protein. That's the beauty of the human body, that it can turn protein into glycogen. And it doesn't need to spike insulin levels to do that. These anabolic responses are necessary. And so when you do eat, you need to eat plenty. You need to be anabolic and you need to be catabolic. So I hope in this podcast, you're getting a clearer picture of Yes, I want to either be burning my own stores of energy or I want to be eating enough that I am replenishing my stores of nutrients, whether it be fat, protein, glycogen and vitamins and minerals in those big meals. So that is the big difference that exercise can help adapt on a higher level. It's not about whether you burnt calories during exercise. It's that the exercise induces a catabolic state that we adapt to and we get better at. So that we aren't needing to eat as often. We aren't needing to eat glycogen, uh, carbohydrates as often. And therefore we can eat these more nutrient dense food without fear of having low energy levels just because we didn't eat carbohydrates. But we do need to be aware, especially people with smaller appetites or um, concerned about calories at any point or that sort of um, mindset. You need to be eating lots when you do eat to get that anabolic response so that then you can be anabolic after a period of catabolic. And the beauty is after exercise and after fasting, intermittent fasting, you become more insulin sensitive. So the opposite of carbohydrates um, causing a high spike in insulin, which would remain in your blood with higher levels of blood sugars, higher levels of insulin for a long time, that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to get in and out of this anabolic state quickly and then back into a catabolic state. So to do that, fasting and exercise make you more insulin sensitive so the anabolic response is shorter and sharper. And you get all the benefits in a short period of time because in a long period of time of those growth hormones sticking around a long time, that's when chronic disease becomes a problem. So there's lots and lots of research out there. And unfortunately, some of it has been skewed to make protein look bad because they've taken one little growth factor and said, oh, this IGF-1 If we have protein, we instigate IGF-1. IGF-1 has been linked as a growth hormone chemical to cancers and other chronic illnesses. So we want to avoid IGF-1 and therefore we'll live to 160 years old and feel amazing the whole time. Well, that's completely out of context of what we need to be alive. We need growth hormones. We just don't want them all the time. So when research articles come out with things like that and they get taken out of context in terms of, oh, well, we shouldn't eat protein because it will cause a growth response and therefore I'm at a high risk of cancer if I do that. Well, that's completely wrong. We need proteins and we need anabolic responses. We need these balance. We need both sides of metabolism. We can't just live in one or the other. So what would be the cost of doing the first scenario that I talked about? High-carbohydrate diet, high-intensity interval training, and then high-carbohydrate post-exercise. So that period of a few hours, all you've done is trained your body to want to burn sugars, to keep oxygen low, to be anabolic, to be storing things and stress response hormones like cortisol and insulin and growth hormone and all of these other anabolic responses and stress responses of the sympathetic nervous system, they don't just suddenly disappear. When you're doing this day after day after day, that just becomes how you live. And the other 20 hours of the day, Well, your body will continue to be in that same state all the time. And then if you do eat carbohydrates at other meals, if you eat a lot at other of carbohydrates at other meals, over time, unless you are doing, you know, the amount of hours of as a professional athlete of an professional endurance athlete, then there's a point where a high amount of carbohydrates are going to start to make you more insulin resistant. So that when you have that anabolic food, the anabolic response in your hormones, it's going to hang around for hours and hours, and then you're going to need it to be bumped up again. So as blood sugar drops, you need to increase it. And so you're never actually in a catabolic fat burning phase. So you might be catabolic because you're burning stored sugars, but you're not burning any of your stored body fat and you're not using any beneficial hormones. You're using stress response hormones and you're never in parasympathetic nervous system function. So it's something that we want to avoid, but it's important to reiterate that exercise is super important for many reasons. But thinking of if you have got extra weight and thinking that it is for the extra couple of hundred calories that you're going to burn on a half hour walk, then you're totally approaching your mindset to weight loss your mindset to living your lifestyle in a completely backward way. Look at the benefits of food from the nutrients point of view, from the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals that you're eating. Eat plenty of nutrient-dense foods when you do eat. Get a really good, short, sharp, anabolic response from big meals. And then don't eat in between and train your body to go back into a fat-burning state your exercise is there just to boost that catabolic fat burning state through aerobic exercise it's there as a a booster of adaptation it's not there as the catalyst for weight loss it is there as a adjunct to the weight loss to help adapt to more blood flow fat burning oxygenation strengthen your muscles let's say of course building if you go to the gym to do strength work as opposed to just going for a gentle walk, then that is even better because building muscle, obviously muscle requires energy as well. So you will burn more fuels if you have larger muscle mass. So building muscle is an excellent way. Going to the gym is an excellent way of approaching your exercise. Even better if you can do a bit of gym work outside. As you go for your walk, throw in some push-ups, throw in some squats, throw in some Any other body type of exercise that you can do on your way, some chin-ups at a tree, everything. There's so many options of changing up your um, exercise routine so that it's not about how far did I walk, how many steps did I get, and therefore I must have burnt X amount of calories. Completely wrong. Let's look at how do I get the most benefits from this time that I have to improve my metabolism, to improve my mental well-being, to improve strength blood flow, proprioception as in terms of going barefoot when you can build up that ability to be balancing and um, don't lose that as you get older. It's super important to remain healthy so that you don't have a fall when you're older and be able to navigate bumpy little rocks and pathways and things like that. Okay, so that's enough from me. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting about metabolism and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I hope you've gotten something out of it that's made it a little clearer for your approach, your personal approach, because this is not necessarily one size fits all. But the more knowledge you have, the more informed choices you can make on when you do your hard exercise or if you should be sticking clear of that until you have got a really good aerobic base. And that's likely for a lot of people. And if anything you heard piqued your interest into your own health symptoms, or perhaps you want to know how you can put this information into practical terms for performance in sport or everyday life for you individually, we'd love to help you live with more energy and health and longevity so you can reach all of your goals. Head on over to liveyourownfit.com to book in a free discovery call or email us at hello at LiveYourOwnFit or message us through any of our social networks and jump on there and give us a follow while you do that. Also subscribe to us on this podcast on whichever app you are listening to us on. It really helps boost our rankings and get through to more people. You can be coached by us to increase your energy and health one-on-one by myself or Jamie L and enjoy your very own Live Your Own Fit performance virtual community with all of us over there. So thanks again for listening.